0: For real, man, that uh, jacked me up. <laughs> yeah, man, thank you guys so much. Uh, so awesome. Yeah. Hallelujah. Uh, and they're all coming to our quiet time on Monday morning uh, to get us rolling. Boy, wouldn't that be awesome start your day like that? Y'all go ahead and take your time, though. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) You know, uh, Brandon and Eric didn't, uh, I I evidently you guys didn't get the memo that some of the young adults were wanting me to sing a solo tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Did we get 150 likes on that thing that was going around? Are y'all lying? Okay, well, I guess we'll have to give them the the solo. Okay, uh, we we started. For, can you believe we've only been here 48 hours? We have packed some stuff in in 48 hours, man. Uh, but we started with Bob Weston. Uh, singing, and I guess the trot dog uh, is going to be able to do his thing, whatever that is. So, um, yeah, it it might be better, you know, because the words of the song are (laughs) really good. Uh, I'm not the greatest singer in the world, but the words of the song are really good. So it might be good if you don't. You know, clap along, keeping time, because you might throw me off just a <laughs> just a little bit. But uh, okay, it kind of goes like, like this. We got any, any lights going tonight, or <laughs> okay, it's better in the dark. Believe me. <laughs> okay, no 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 clapping. Remember. Man, you're ruining my show. (laughs) It really might seem like the war is still going. People still dying. Sin is still potent. The devil's still tempting and evil ain't slowing. The general is coming with keys in his hands. Then death and Hades, they'll freeze where they stand to see they've been defeated. Please understand, if they don't want to see him, bro, the king is the man. He's a man of war, a beast on the battlefield, obliterating all the evil forces that are killed. Well, where's your sting, death? Oh, you ain't got it, bro. Where's your victory? Oh, you've been swallowed whole. When he's back, keep he on fighting, Jehovah. He'll toss you in a lake of burning fire and sulfur. He's a titan, a soldier. He'll wipe away our tears. And our fears, and all our pain and death will be over. Okay. For all you people that are watching everywhere, I am so sorry. And to my wife, I'm so sorry. And I, I had a brain cramp up there, man. Stage fright. Uh, but I, I, I love the spirit here. And uh, man, what a, what a choice time that we have been able to share together. And uh, yeah, I appreciate the heart that you guys bring to this retreat. Uh, the reason you get so much is because you want so much, and uh, I, I hope that tonight you will open your heart. And in the final session this evening, uh, Pastor George will uh, clean it up tomorrow morning. But I I, I do hope that you will you will open your heart to what the Lord has. and You know, when we started on Wednesday night, I asked you to, to just have a, a, a moment with, with God and ask him to speak to you. And before we, we dive in tonight, would you just do that? I, we've had an incredible night tonight. Incredible worship. Again, Brandon and Eric, thank you for all the, the, the fact that you led us to the throne, man. We do appreciate it. Um, But now, would you just come and join where you're seated in heavenly places with yourself at the throne and say, Oh God, if you don't speak to anybody else, speak to me. And Lord, I I pray tonight that, that you will meet with us in, a, in an unusual way. We've got some incredible verses to look at that I desperately need. Everybody in this room, I believe, desperately needs these and So, Lord, may the Spirit of God be free to move in all of us. May the word of the Lord have free course and be glorified in this place. And I pray that it will result in our lives being changed. We ask this for your glory's sake. Amen i 've been trying to share with you that this is a passage that God has used to to change my life. Uh, I preached it twenty five years ago, and here i am twenty five years later, every single day of my life I, um, I at least attempt to do what i 'm trying to challenge you to do and That is, take what what he talks about in this passage in Colossians 3, 1 through 17, where we've been talking about the fact that he lays out for us, after saying that we've been risen with Christ or we've been saved, he gives us seven verbs. We've only looked at two. We will, Lord willing, unless I die of a heart attack up here, we'll, we'll look at the other five tonight. But... These seven verbs that he talks about in this passage, that now that we've been risen with Christ, here's what we do. These seven verbs point to five things that I believe with all my heart that we should be praying about on a daily basis because what this passage is is really just a concise overview of the entire Christian life. As I told you, if we could get these 17 verses down... I think we would all fare very sumptuously at the judgment seat of Christ. And the first thing that we talked about is that on a daily basis that I'm challenging you to do is talk to God daily about the pursuits and purposes of life. To talk daily about the pursuits and purposes of life. And this is where we picked up the first two key verbs first of all he tells us to seek seek the things which are above and to set our affection on those things the things above and just as surely as we are being commanded to do that not to seek the things on earth and so we've talked about what the things on earth are and then last night we talked about what the things above are. And let's see how we do. Okay, so the first thing that is above is the... Okay, let's reel it back. Let's. Okay, you ready now? Okay, the first thing that is above is the person of God. God wants us to... The second thing that is above is the word of God. God wants us to know him the third thing that's above is the throne of god god wants us to man you guys are awesome and the fourth thing that is above is the family family of god and god wants us to minister our gifts to those who are in his family and the gospel to those that he intends to be in his family and and again you know uh Man, I, when the choir was just doing that last song, I, you know, I, was, I know when I was next, I was over in here, I felt like I was back in football days in the tunnel, you know, and I'm, man, I'm telling you, I was so worked up, <laughs> and you know, and back in the football days, you know, we'd get in the locker room before the game, and the coach would be saying, all right, time to get your head in the game now. And so we'd be, you know, he said, think about your assignments, get out there on that field. And so, you know what, what what I do on a daily basis is I try to get into the spiritual locker room and get my head in the game about everything that God says. If you then be risen with Christ, here's what you do. Okay, so we've looked at this first thing through these first Two key verbs. And now let's pick up tonight looking at the the next key verb that he gives to us. And it is the word mortify. We pick this up in in verse five. Mortify. And, And he says that we are to mortify the the passions or the desires of our body. Mortify the desires of our body. And he says in, in verses five through seven, do you have verses five through seven there? I'm kind of expecting it right right here. Uh, no? Don't you love it when a plan comes together? You have your Bibles open, right? Colossians chapter three, I'll try to, to get there. Colossians, that's in the New Testament, right? Yeah, that's, that's not it. That's verse 3. Yeah, but I want 5 through 7, but th- thanks for your, your help. I hate to, you guys keep trying to help me, and I'm, no, I don't want it. I, I, I had the monster drink that George had. Okay, he says to us, here's that key verb. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which he also walked sometime when ye lived... In them, and in terms of what he 's saying here i 'm suggesting that we talk to God daily about the passions of our body mortify the desires of our our body okay, so what we 've been learning together is that back in Colossians chapter two and verse twelve, what He taught us is that our salvation meant that we died with Christ, we were buried with him, and the power that God put into operation that raised Christ from the dead physically is the same exact power that God used to raise us to new life in Christ. And listen, what he did at at that time when we were risen with Christ, what he did was so incredibly powerful. And it was such a transformation in our life that 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Amen. Old things are passed away. Behold, how many things? All All things are become new. And I want you to just hang with me on that last little part there where he talks about all things have become new. Make sure that you get this. This is unbelievably important. What he's referring to here is the newness that took place In our soul and our spirit when we called upon the name of the Lord to save us. But now listen, the fact is that transformation that took place in our soul and in our spirit when we were redeemed by the power of God. That soul and spirit is still housed in the same physical body we had before we were placed in Christ. And boy, you better make sure that you understand that. Your soul and spirit is made new but housed in a body of flesh. And you see, this is why Paul says in Ephesians chapter one, verses 12 through 14, that we, we are awaiting The redemption of the purchased possession. There's something we're still waiting on. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 23, Paul sheds a little light on what this this whole thing is that he's talking about when he talks about the uh, redemption of the purchased possession. He, He says here, even we... Ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for something, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our what our body. L- listen, y'all, until we are actually entering into the groaning, awaiting the redemption of this sorry fleshly body. We're going to struggle with sin. We're going to struggle even if we're groaning. (laughs) But there's something to groan about, y'all. When you finally recognize what God is actually saying to us, get this, When the Lord Jesus Christ purchased our redemption, he purchased every part of us, our soul, our spirit, and our body. And when we called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save us, our spirit and our soul at that very moment experienced its glorious redemption. However, the redemption of our body is something that is going to take place at the rapture. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 53 and verse 54, say, for this corruptible, what corruptible? Body. This corruptible body must put on in corruption. Something's going to have to happen to it. And this mortal, this mortal what? This mortal body must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 tell us that what's actually going to be taking place at the rapture when this corruptible and this mortal puts on incorruption and mortal uh, immortality. What What it tells us here is the Lord Jesus Christ is going to change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious Body. That's what we're awaiting, you know. But the point is, we don't have that glorified body yet. And that's what Paul is saying in Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, when he says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, next word, then, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. That's when we get a glorified body. But not until the rapture. And look at what he says there. Based off of that, mortify, therefore. Okay, I and... We know this. Anytime we see the word therefore, we always look to see what it's, what it's there for. And listen, this is the key to understanding these verses. Because you see, verse 3 is actually reiterating what he said in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. I mentioned it a minute ago that we died with Christ when we called upon his name We were buried with him, and we've now been risen with him, and our whole life now is all about him because we don't have a life anymore. We're in Christ, and Christ is in God, and Paul says in in, in verse 4 here, That when Christ appears, that's when we're going to experience what we just saw in Romans 8 and verse 23. We're going to see at that point the redemption of our body. We're going to receive what we just saw in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21. We're going to receive that body that is like unto Christ's glorious body. But Paul is trying to get us to see here in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5 that since we don't have that glorified body yet, we must therefore mortify the one that we have. And he, he tells us here that the reason it must be dealt with is because this unredeemed body has all kinds of sinful, sexual passions that are lodged in its members. And and these passions, Paul says, they got to be mortified, man. They must be put to death. Do Do you remember the first night we were talking about how the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians are, what do we call them? Twin, twin epistles. Yeah, they, they, they cover a lot of the same ground, but they cover it in enough of a different uh, way that they shed light on each other. You remember that? Okay, well, check this out now. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, he talks about that time before we were saved... When what what we did is we fulfilled the desires of the flesh, right? In in Colossians chapter three and verse five, you know what this is? This is a list of those desires of the flesh that he's talking about in Ephesians chapter two and, and verse three. And if you'll just take a quick little gander at verse 5, what you'll find is that these passions that are in this body all revolve around basically one thing, and it is sex. And in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, what God does in this verse is He gives us great insight into the path that leads to sexual sin, and what He does here in verse five is He he's, and this is in your notes. He takes us from the fruit of sexual sin, which is fornication. Okay, this is He, he begins. That's the first word in the lineup okay It begins with fornication, and this is the act with which it ends, okay, and what he does is he goes through this list and he takes takes us back to the root of sexual sin, which he tells us here is covetousness, and this is the attitude with which. This path to sexual sin actually begins. And so I I want you to notice in verse 5, I want you to notice the progression that he shows us here. Now now listen. Everybody in this room that's still living in a mortal, corruptible body. You better get this. (laughs) He, He says that sexual sin actually begins... With the sin of covetousness, which he identifies in this passage as idolatry. And I want want to make sure that you check this out, that he doesn't say that, that covetousness is like idolatry. He flat out tells us that covetousness is idolatry. And listen, those of you that have been on mission trips in other parts of the world where they're given over to idols and you see all of the shenanigans that go on, well, just recognize they are us. Covetousness is idolatry. And biblically, if you want to know what covetousness is, it's very simply the sin of wanting more. Listen, wanting more than God wants me to have or wanting more than God wants me to have now. Okay, that's, that's covetousness. And it could be money. A lot of times, you know, he's covetous. And we're talking about money or it could be the things on earth that money can buy. That's, you know, what he's talking about back in verse two. But basically what he's showing us here is how this word covetousness makes its way into this whole path that leads toward sexual sin that is necessitating the fact that on a daily basis, we've got to have to figure out biblically what it means to mortify this fleshly body and the desires of our flesh. But it begins with a desire for something that God says is out of bounds for singles sex before marriage okay for married folks sex outside of marriage and God says mortify that desire or that covetousness or shall we say I'm glad you're tracking idolatry but what he shows us here is that if we don't mortify it, it leads to the next thing evil concupiscence. And concupiscence is obviously a $20 word that has to do with sensual and sexual desires that are clanging around in these bodies that are awaiting their redemption and again now you begin to see why Paul says that we groan within ourselves awaiting the redemption but there's these desires that are clanging around in us that are outside of that marriage bond that are evil and he calls them evil concupiscence So so it it, it goes like this. Okay, so once I say yes to my flesh and and I allow the desire in me to have more than God wants me to have, I'm entering into this world of of covetousness. What begins to happen in me is a fire begins burning on the inside of me, creating a, a heightened barrage of evil desires that he calls evil concupiscence, which leads to the next thing, verse 5, inordinate affection. And inordinate affection is very closely related to the evil concupiscence. It's just, it's another step down the road. The fire inside is burning hotter. The evil desires are further heightened. And the mind begins to think about ways To actually fulfill those desires. And then those passions begin to manifest themselves in the next thing. Uncleanness. And now what's happening? The flesh begins to act on the sinful lust and the sinful passions, the sinful desires. Which then leads to the next thing. The act of fornication. Now... For time's sake and to get through the, the, the passage tonight, I, I really don't have the time to try to work all of that. I'm going to trust the Spirit of God as he begins to show all of us in this room that nobody wakes up one day and just, bam, commits fornication. There's a path. It begins with just the sin of wanting something more than God wants you to have or more than God wants you to have now. And okay, (laughs) y'all, do you know how strong God is on this thing of fornication? He he says in 1 Corinthians 6, every sin that a man commits is outside the body, but this one affects you from the inside out. And you don't even know it's happening. And you think you're getting by with it. And we ain't. And God tells us in Acts chapter 15 and verse 29, he says, listen y'all, abstain from it. Anybody need me to comment on that? Acts 21, verse 25, he says, keep from it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, he says that we are to flee from it. In 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 2, he says that we are to avoid it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 8, he says, don't commit it. In Ephesians 5 and verse 3, he says, don't let it once, not even once, be named among you now that you've been saved. And in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, where we are tonight, he tells us to kill it. That's the meaning of the word mortify. Mortify it. You know what, y'all? I think God might be just a little bit against this thing. (laughs) And he goes on to tell us in verses 6 and 7 that 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 whole world of living according to the passions of our body is what he saved us out of. And he reminds us that living according to the sinful passions of our bodies is the very reason that his wrath falls or has fallen and will continue to fall upon the children of what? Of disobedience. And the point that he's trying to say to us in this passage is that's not who you are anymore. You're not a child of disobedience. You are a child of obedience because you are a child of God through our death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. He raised us out of that whole sinful, sexual world. It has absolutely no place for who we are in Christ. Certainly no place with where we're seated with him. Wow. So he's saying in this passage, you got to understand that you don't have your glorified body yet. So here's what you got to do you got to mortify the one that you have. You say, well, how do I do that? How, How do I mortify? The desires and passions that are on the inside of me. Okay, now listen, y'all. Biblically, there's only one way. Romans chapter 8 and verse 13 says that through the Spirit, we do what? The deeds of the body. Do you know what the deeds of the body are? Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. If it's going to happen, y'all, it's not going to be because our flesh gets real strong and crucifies the flesh. I don't know if you've ever read Watchman Knee. He talks about how the flesh cannot crucify flesh because you have always got to have one hand free you can never finish the job. It's something that we have to do, listen, through the Spirit, but how do you do that? We do it through the Spirit, but we do it through prayer, you And that's why I'm talk, talking to you in this passage about talking to God daily about the passions that are in the, our, our, our bodies What I'm talking about is in and through prayer, doing exactly what he tells us to do in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. We've all committed this to memory, right? Present your body a living sacrifice. How do you do that? But he does say, present your body, right? How do you do that? Well, through the Spirit in prayer. I come on a daily basis and say, God, I'm coming to you right now recognizing I don't have a redeemed body yet. I don't have a glorified body yet. I'm still living in a body that has all kinds of fleshly, carnal, sinful, sexual desires clanging around in this thing. But right now, I come into your presence and I present My body, a living sacrifice. Holy. The deeper life. This is Christianity 101. This is my reasonable service. That's what Romans 12.1 is. There's something that we do, but we can't do it in the flesh. we got to do it in the spirit, and we do it through prayer. And I'm talking about on a daily basis in prayer and through prayer, actually doing what he tells us to do in Romans chapter six and verse 13 when he tells us to yield our, what? The members, the members of our body that all of those sexual passions that we just looked at in Colossians chapter three and verse five, they got lodged in these members. He says, mortify therefore your members. Okay, and and so what we're talking about is on a daily basis coming and actually Yielding the members of our bodies, not as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but through prayer and by the Spirit, yielding ourselves to God. Listen, as those that are alive from the dead, in other words, risen with Christ, and and our members as instruments of righteousness unto God. I'm talking about presenting your body. I'm talking about yielding your your members. I'm I'm talking about in prayer and through prayer, knowing the full reality of what Paul was talking about in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24, where he talked about, and they that are Christ, anybody here Christ? And they that are Christ have crucified, mortified, the flesh, with the affections and lust, how do we do that, y'all? Through the spirit, in prayer, and, and uh, uh, listen. Th- these these verses present your body, yield your members, crucify the flesh with its affections and lust. D- do you understand, y'all? These cannot just be verses that we've we've memorized. We've got to get to the place to where we're actually on a daily basis doing it, presenting our body a living sacrifice, yielding our members. You know what? I walk through from my feet, my legs, my torso, my back, my arms, my hands, my neck, my mouth, my eyes, and my brain every single day because I'm a piece of trash. i got to do it on a daily basis. Maybe y'all are a whole lot more spiritual than me. But man, I don't ever want to get moved away from. I don't have a redeemed body. And man, I've seen, I'm an old dude now, man. I've seen so many casualties. And it's not people that set out to go jack their life up. We just didn't get them in time to understand there's a progression that leads to it, man. And if you can get it at the point of covetousness and deal with it, man, you're going to be well on your way. But again, man, I feel like this is something we got to do on a daily basis. And when I say that, y'all, I I am not at all trying to put you on any kind of legalistic trip. You know, you got to do this do it the way that I do. But but I I just hope that the significance of this passage will ring inside of you that there's something that we got to do in the power of the spirit to deal with the passions of this body. So number one, talk to God daily about the pursuits and purposes of life. And, and then secondly, talk to God daily about the passions of our body. And then a third thing, talk to God daily about the peril of self. The peril of self. And and this is what God shows us in verses eight and nine. And, And the key verb here is the word put off. And he tells us there's something Okay, we got to mortify this body, but it's something we got to put off. He says, put off the old man. And, and God tells us through Paul in verses 8 and 9, but now ye also put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man, with his deeds. And he tells us here that we are to put off the old man. You know what he's saying there? Put off the old you. That old you that used to sit on the throne in our lost condition. Before we experience the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in our life. Before Christ was seated on that throne, man, self was seated on that throne. And, and the reason I'm talking about, talking daily to God about the peril of self is because in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, well, hello, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And he goes on to list about 20 different things. First thing on the list is that makes these last days so peril is lovers of their own self. And I, I remember we talked about that specific Laodicean application in the book of Colossians. That he's, he's addressing issues that we in the Laodicean church period need to deal with in this thing of self-oh, oh my goodness. Uh, one of the most convicting passages in the, in the New Testament for me is Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19 through 20. Uh, He says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. And do we have verse 21? Okay. Evidently, God wanted me to hammer this. (laughs) I'm getting ready to hammer. He says, yeah, man, I'd like to come. But I... I'm not going to be able to to do that, so I'm going to send Timothy, because I don't have anybody like Timothy on my ministry team. Next verse. For all seek their own. How about that, preacher? All seek their own. It can get pretty gnarly, oh, I look like I'm doing a spiritual thing right now, don't I? He's preaching the word. Man, he loves the Lord. You don't know that. I might love me. And this may have been a cool way for me (laughs) to get what I've always wanted. Notoriety. I'm not saying that's the case. I hope to God it's not. But I gotta say, it's pretty spooky. All seek their own. But again, what he's doing here is he's taking us back to that time when self sat on the throne, when self called the shots, when self wanted what self wanted. And buddy, when self didn't get what self wanted, it cheesed self off, didn't it? And and Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8 says that it, it made us angry. Okay, now... Put the brakes on for just a sec. Do you remember, okay, when we were looking at verse five, that whole mortify thing, and we were talking about the whole process that leads to sexual sin, and and we saw back in Ephesians chapter two and and verse three that he was talking about the desires of the flesh and he worked backwards from the fruit of sexual sin back down to the, the root of it. Remember that? Okay. Well, in verses eight and nine, now what he's doing is he's dealing with the, the, the desires of the mind in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3. Do you, can you go back one, one verse? Or, there we go. Remember he talked about fulfilling the desires of the flesh. That's everything that we've got to mortify. The desires of the mind are what we need to put off. Okay, so you're you following that? Okay, now go to the next slide so that we can make sure that we, we got our notes filled in. Did I already cover that? Okay, what, what he does here in, in this list is he begins with the root, the, the attitude, which is anger, and works us toward the fruit, the action, which is, which is lying. Okay, and God says that it, that it goes like this, okay? So, so when I'm living according to the old me, the, the old man, Like we just talked about, self wanted what self wanted. It wanted its own selfish way. And so the way that it used to work is when I didn't get my way, when self was sitting on the throne, an attitude came into my mind, and that attitude was anger. And listen, unless I put it off, it leads to the next thing. It leads to wrath. And wrath is anger that's beginning to get explosive. And then if I don't put it off at this point, it leads to the next thing, which is malice. And malice is wrath that won't let up. It's wrath on steroids, man. It's wrath that is now seething. And then malice leads to blasphemy. Now, now usually when we, when we think of blasphemy, we, we think of someone who's taken the Lord's name in vain, right? Okay, but what Paul lets us know here is that there's another nuance of that word, and that is that when we have built up frustrated self-will and we begin to spill out venom against another person, we are guilty of the sin of blasphemy, and so are you seeing this progression? Anger leads to wrath, wrath leads to malice, malice leads to blasphemy, and then the next thing, filthy communication out of your mouth. Anybody know anything about this progression? And it is is amazing. The words that can come out of the mouths of those of us who profess to be risen with Christ. Especially when we allow ourselves to get into a fit of rage. Filthy communication out of our mouth leads to the next thing, which is lying. You know, when I was working through this passage, I was like, wow, that one just kind of seems pretty random what's that all about okay well the way that fits in here is okay so we allow ourselves to just get totally cheesed off and we're to the point now to where we're ranting and raving and we're pushing everything that got us all worked up into a lather we 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 get it to the place to where we've so exaggerated it I wouldn't have that if you would not. And whatever the. was so exaggerated. God doesn't call it exaggeration. He calls it lying. And what he says to us is, listen. Now that you've been risen with Christ. Totally do away with the old self life that you used to live. When self sat on the throne, put off anything and everything that has to do with that life. Listen, y'all, it's it's time that we stop rationalizing and justifying ourselves when it comes to this whole list here. Well, you know, I've just always had a bad temper. Or, yeah, doggone it, I'm just like my dad or it's this red hair, or I'm Irish. I don't even know what all the lame excuses are, but there's no room for them in God's economy. What God says is, put off all of that junk. Okay, so how do we, how do we put off all of these things that He lists in verses eight and nine? You know how we do it, y'all. We do it through prayer. Lord, I know that I'm still living in this body. And boy, I know that self wants to climb back on that throne. (laughs) That's the problem with living sacrifices, man. (laughs) They keep coming back. (laughs) And I know self wants to get back up on that throne. And so, Lord, today. I choose right now to put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of my mouth, and lying. The only way I know to do it, y'all, and he tells us to do something, put off, verb. Did you learn what a verb was in school? It's action, right? But it's not us, it's the spirit. And we do it through prayer. Okay, then, so he talks about talking daily, I'm suggesting that you talk to God daily about this issue that he surfaces here in verses 8 and 9. Talk to God daily about the peril of self. And then he shows us a fourth thing in terms of how to walk on earth like somebody seated in heaven. Number four, talk to God daily about the priorities of Christ. Talk to God daily about the priorities of Christ. Okay, listen, I can't say enough about the fact that we've got to put off the old man. But I want you to notice that in the passage, it doesn't stop there. That's just, that's just half of it. You know, as, as so many people, you know, are trying to overcome their temper and their their tendency to fly off of the handle and all that. And, then, and And what they do is they try and try and try to put off these things that we just talked about in verses 8 and 9. But it just never seems to work. And the reason is we'll never be able to keep the old man off without putting on the new man. You remember Jesus talking about getting the house all cleaned out? Okay, some of us keep trying to clean the house out, but we don't put the right stuff in. And so, man, it just comes back with a a, a vengeance, man. And the first key verb in this section is put on the new man. Paul tells us in verses 10 through 14, and i put on the new man, which is... Renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God and holy and beloved. Here it is. Put this on. bows of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye, and above all of these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And I want you to notice several things here. First of all, notice in verse 10 that the new man is renewed in knowledge. And obviously he's referring to the knowledge of the word of Christ that he talks about down in verse 16. We've got to renew our minds with the word of Christ. The second thing that I want you to notice here is that the eight things that he tells us in this passage that we are to put on in verses 12 through 14, listen now, they're all the things that Christ put on him, When he made us, as 2 Corinthians 5, 17, when he made us new creatures in Christ, or as Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 says, when he made us the new man. Listen, these eight things that he's talking about in in these verses, these are the things that actually brought Christ to the cross, these are the things that Christ manifested on the cross when he died our death. You know what he had on him? Bows of mercies. You get that, don't you, when it comes to your salvation? Unbelievable kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. Forbearance, forgiveness, and above all of these things, man, Christ had on charity, the bond of perfectness. And God says, listen now, now that you've been risen with Christ, in in all of your dealings with people and especially with people who violate you, just do this. Put off all that anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, and lying, and put on everything that Christ had on Him when He made you the new man. I, 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 time is fleeting, and I, I, I don't want I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't want to hang on the rim here, but I do want to ask you this, okay? And, and we'll move on. Okay, so he gives us this list in verses 8 and 9 that we are to put off. He gives us this list in verses 12 through 14 that we're to put on. Okay, I want you to, I want you to look at those two lists. And I, I'd love for you to just think right now. If someone were to ask your spouse, if somebody were to ask your parents, if somebody were to ask your roommate, if somebody were to ask your kids, which list characterizes them? And that's why we've got to not just put off, but we've got to put on. The Way that Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27 says, put on Christ. Again, everything that he had on him when he made us the new man, new creatures in, 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 in Christ. L- listen, y'all, the, the Christian life doesn't get any more basic than this list in verses 12 through 14. It doesn't get any deeper than that. And like I said a few minutes ago, this is not the deeper life. You know what this is? Christianity 101. Remember how the passage started? If you then be risen with Christ. Okay, here's what you do. And we're just going through the verbs, just looking. What what does he actually tell us that, that we are to do? And listen, y'all, I don't don't care how much you know about the Bible. I don't don't care how smooth you can communicate the Bible. I I don't care what everybody else thinks is true about you. What matters is what the people who live with you know is true. Because that's who we really are, and that's what Jesus knows is true about us. And again, I say... This, my friend, is Christianity 101. And then notice the next key verb in this section concerning the priorities of Christ in our lives. Verse 15 says, Let, how about that? Let the peace of God rule. He says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And again, had we been making our way through this book together, you know, we came through chapter 1 and chapter 2. Back in chapter 1 and verse 20, we would have already learned that he taught us that Christ made peace through the blood of his cross. We were called to peace through what he did when he reconciled us to himself so that now we're under the rule of Christ, which is the rule of peace. And God is simply telling us in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, listen now, to let, oh, please listen to that word, man. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Listen, y'all, Christians are ruled by so many other things than peace, which means that they're being ruled by something other than Jesus because he is our peace. They're ruled by fear. They're ruled by worry. They're ruled by anxiety and anger and bitterness and lust and people and all kinds of other things that have absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with our calling in Christ. To peace. And, and and listen, you can always tell people who have the peace of God ruling in their hearts because they're thankful people. <laughs> you, 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 there's just something about the peace of God that creates in us an attitude of gratitude. And, and so he, he says here, let the peace of god rule and then there's one other key verb in this section the word let that, that was the same one we just looked at i know he does it again let <laughs> let the word of christ dwell Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know what? When you look in the twin epistle, all of those things that he talks about there are the result of being filled with the Spirit. And we begin to learn some things about what it is to be filled with the Spirit. It is allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. And again, listen, it can't just be in our memory banks. This is more than memorizing scripture. Yeah, that's a, that's a great start. I love it. Let's do it. But what he's talking about is letting it dwell in 1 Kings chapter 8 in verse 13. He defines the word dwell as a settled place. And what he's talking about is letting the word of God, the word of Christ, Find a settled place in every part of the fabric of our entire being so that we're living our lives. Listen, not according to the desires of the flesh and of the mind, Ephesians 2, 3, but according to the desires of Christ as they're revealed in his word. I think that's it's up there so you can fill in the, the blanks. So that we're living not according to the desires of the flesh and the mind, but according to the desires of Christ as they are revealed in his word. And so he tells us to talk to God daily about the priorities of Christ. Put on the new man, let the peace of God rule, and let the word of Christ dwell, which leads to the fifth thing. And what I'm suggesting and challenging you to do is to talk to God daily about the presence of Christ. Talk to God daily about the presence of Christ. And I want you to notice in, in verse 17, what, what actually happens in verse 17 is verse 17 is like the, this is the conclusion to the risen life. And, and Paul says, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here he comes again, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Okay, so now, now rule it <laughs> let it be pulled in right now so that we, we we don't miss this, okay? God began this entire passage in chapter three and verse one saying, If ye then be risen with Christ, in other words, now that you're saved, here is here's the way that I want you to live. And remember he, he gave us seven verbs. Let's look at them real quick. Seek the things which are above. Set your affection on things above. Mortify your members. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. Let the peace of God rule. Let the word of Christ dwell. Okay, now listen. Here's how this thing shakes out. When all of these things that he's covered in the first 16 verses... When all of those things are actually a part of the fabric of who we are, verse 17 says that every word we speak with our mouth will be spoken in the name of the Lord Jesus. And every deed that we do in our body will be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay. Make sure that you understand what what he's talking about. Okay, again, this is the conclusion of the whole thing, y'all. What he's actually saying here is before we ever open our mouth to speak, we ought to be able to preface it by saying this. Hey, I'm getting ready to open my mouth to say something right now. And I'm gonna say what... I think Jesus would say if he were here. But he's not here. And so I'm going to say what I'm about to say in his name. You think that might change some of the things that come out your mouth? And and, and we ought to be able to preface it and say... I'm about to do something in my body right now. And what I'm about to do, I think this is what Jesus would do if he were here. But since he's not here, I'm going to do it in his name. Listen, y'all. If we had to, and, and I'm not suggesting that we preface everything that we say and everything we do with that. I'm just saying what this passage is saying. We ought to be able to do that. But listen, do you understand what a difference it would make if, before we ever spoke a word, we had to say, I'm going to say this in Jesus' name. Call him in to that equation. I'm going to do this. Because I think this is what Jesus would do. Man, what a difference our lives would be. And that's the difference that he's talking about that will happen. When we, okay, and let's just one final time. When we're talking to God daily about the pursuit and passion, pursuits and purposes of life, why don't you go to that next slide there? He tells us, talk to God, or that we are to talk about the pursuits and purposes of life, that we are to seek the things above, we are to set our affection on things Above, not on things of the earth. Number two, talk to God daily about the passions of the body. Mortify your members. Number three, talk to God daily about the peril of self. Put off the old man. Talk to God daily about the priorities of Christ. Put on the new man. Let the peace of God rule. Let the word of Christ dwell. And then fifthly, talk to God about the presence of Christ. Every word spoken in Jesus' name, every deed done in Jesus' name. What what God does in Colossians chapter three, verses one through seventeen. He basically takes the entire Christian line and he says, Okay. This is the way it's supposed to look. And as we talked about the other night, when we're doing all of these things, it leads into the next relationships that we have. Our family. And the relationships we have at work. The relationships we have with the lost world. The relationships that we have with people in the church. But it all begins with a right relationship with God. And that is why we took the last several days to come apart. Isn't that why we came? God, I want a, I want a, a different kind of relationship with you. And I want to ask you right now to, to bow your heads with me and try to get as still as you possibly can how many of you would say, Pastor Mark, I, I know I can't do it in my I can't do it in my flesh. I get it. It's all through the Spirit. But man, if I know my own heart tonight, I want to say, I want to walk on earth like someone who is seated in heaven. That is my testimony. If that's your testimony tonight, would you raise your hand right now? I want to walk on earth like someone who's seated in heaven. God bless you, man. God bless you. You can put your hands down now. And listen, some of you, you may want to, you may want to Come forward and just nail down a, a decision. Some of you may want to grab your pastor, and and just have him pray with you about whatever it is. If you're just what, what I, I want you to respond, however you feel like you need to respond, even if it is you just standing right where you are in stillness before God and saying, "Oh God, I surrender myself to Your purposes." In me, help me, oh God, to walk on earth like someone who's seated in heaven. Let's stand together and let me pray. Father, I pray that your spirit will move among us. The people will do what they need to do. And I pray that life-changing decisions will, will happen in this room. Now, now listen, the, the band is about to play and sing. If you have kids, you do need to go get them. And I, 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 I'm sorry that it took me that long to get through the passage tonight. But if you have kids, you, you, maybe one of you can go and the other one stay, figure out which one that, that needs to be. But right now, let's, let's all do business with God right now.